The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. What if I told you that Christopher Columbus was not the first to discover the Americas? Today, we have a special guest who will take us on a journey through time to explore the untold history of pre-Columbian America. James Martin, an expert in pre-Columbian American history and mythology, will reveal how Egyptians, Greeks, Celts or Celts, Vikings, and various people from Asia may have settled in the Americas as early as 100 BC. Martin, a British historian, economist, and lecturer with experience in the field of paranormal investigation, has dedicated a large portion of his life to researching the Knights Templar, the Roman Empire, and the Western traditions of spirituality. His extensive knowledge and passion for history have uncovered a wealth of evidence and stories, including potential Roman and Phoenician shipwrecks off the coast of South America and Celtic and Norse exploration of North America. In this interview, we will delve into Martin's research and explore how the Knights Templar influenced the discovery of the New World, how the Vikings navigated their way to the Americas, and what the Sinclair family, the Rosslyn Chapel, and two Venetian brothers have to do with the discovery of a new continent. So get ready as we uncover the fascinating and untold history of pre-Columbian America. Welcome to Veritas. If this is your first time listening, welcome home. To access tonight's full interview and all of our exclusive material, simply join the Veritas Plus family by clicking on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the Veritas store for a range of great products, including focused life force energy. Experience the power of FLFE with a 15-day free trial today. No credit card required. We're excited to announce the launch of our brand new Veritas Plus Insider, your source for exclusive news and insights you won't find anywhere else. If you're looking to get in touch with Mel, have a guest suggestion, or would like to provide feedback, simply click on the contact button on our website. So sit back, relax, and enjoy tonight's show. And now, here's your host, Mel Hasselrich. The name of the book is Uncharted, a rediscovered history of voyages to the Americas before Columbus. And directly from Esperanza, France. I would like to welcome James Martin. Hello, James, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Hi, Mel. I'm uh, I'm well. Um, yes, you'll. Uh, thank you for, for having me on. It's great to be here. Uh, and uh, hello to everyone who's uh, listening, whatever uh, time of day it is. Um, you will have to forgive me. I'm uh, currently recovering from um, uh, glandular fever. So if um, if my uh, chest seems, my voice seems a little crackled. Uh, Please forgive me uh, uh, for that, but great to be here. Great to be on. My pleasure. And not only do, do, do we appreciate that you are recovering and still, still are here, but it's really late in France right now. So I always appreciate all of you who stay late for us here. And by the way, I must give credit to the late Dr. Tim Wallace Murphy, who co-wrote the book with you, and he passed away in 2019. So this this interview is for him. Yes, I, I, I'm uh, very fitting as well. Uh, Tim was a uh, very close friend, mentor and father-like figure for me. So it's great to be able to continue um, his knowledge and uh, wisdom uh, 
um, as well as um, uh, a lot of his research too. Um, so thank you for that. And and of course, Mel, um, it's uh, dark outside, which is uh, usually when I sort of emerge anyway. So uh, there we go. Sure. By the way, what? How do you and Tim get together to to start all this research? Well, uh, the first time I met Tim, um, I was uh, tracing my own family background, actually, um, with some interest in the Rennes-le-Chateau mystery, um, that of Abby Sonnier, um, for the the listeners who aren't aware, uh, essentially uh, what inspired what would become the Da Vinci Code. Um, and had used every contact that I had to get in touch with uh, with Tim. Um, I'd uh, booked a holiday to uh, go to um, well, this area of France, uh, around Rennes le Chateau, uh, with my uh, brother as uh, his 18th birthday present, and uh, I'd finally got an email address uh, for Tim. Um, when we got up to the village, um, Tim was visiting anyway, and there were signs everywhere. Um, you know, if you want to tour of the village, just uh, drop Tim a call. So all of that um, research and just trying to get in touch with Tim was uh, uh, who had seen on uh, the History Channel and uh, various other programs. Um, it seemed to be a little bit in vain, and uh, really, uh, for me, what was a very awkward. Um, uh, introduction. I was very nervous. It's uh, not like me to get too nervous about, uh, you know, meeting people. But this person had, uh, um, uh, through his works, helped me through some very difficult times. Um, struck a pay friendship. Um, really uh, discussing uh, modern politics and uh, and then on to history. And in terms of the research for this book. Um, Back in 2014, Tim had uh, explained that he had produced a manuscript for a book. And um, by, I think, 2016, 17, around this time, um, had uh, revealed that to me uh, outside of a coffee shop in the nearby town of Keon, um, where a, a vicar from the southwest of England was visiting also. Um, and we started to talk and realised we had uh, not just mutual interest in in history, and that was apparent anyway, um, but really a, a mutual um, interest in not just transatlantic voyages, um, but also then the Knights Templar um, and various other facets of history that uh, to modern historians um very black and white and very rigid, um, but actually... When you scratch beneath the surface, you find that the Templars, amongst many other things, are much more nuanced than um, often is presented. Um, and at the time, uh, I mean, Tim uh, attended in 2016 my um, uh, master's um, when I uh, was awarded my uh, master's in industrial relations, which I'll just translate into history, economics and politics. Um um, part of uh, my thesis was actually looking at the impact the Norse uh, trade uh, across the North Atlantic had had on Europe um, uh, in a document I uh, later developed into my thesis called uh, Chasing the Unicorn. And really, it, it sort of snowballed from there. And it wasn't until, I think, 2018, um, 19, when he... 
ended up in uh, uh, my care, um, and maybe 2017, come to think, when he ended up in uh, my care, that he had said, well, um, you, you, know, you have to forgive me for the British stuff here now. Um, well, I bloody started this, um, you know, and if you uh, want to edit it, dear boy, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> and as I started editing this um, uh, this manuscript, it became apparent that uh, there were certain things I needed to add and, uh, and all of this. And uh, I just remember, so typical of Tim, he says, um, um, of course you can add whatever you want to it, dear boy. I can always delete it afterwards. And that's really, really how this... Um, um uh how the book sort of uh, genocized really in in its origins with um quite a few coffees and uh you know those typical if anyone's ever been to um france who's listening those mornings that become afternoons where you're enjoying the company and conversation so much time doesn't matter um and that really is the origin now i'm just thinking that Obviously, the, the title of the book catches my attention because I've been discussing the possibilities that the voyages of Columbus may not have been the first to the Americas. And in fact, I always say he rediscovered the routes for Europe. But there were people here. Why do they even call it a discovery of the Americas? And I used to live and work in Mexico City for a little while in the 90s. And I remember close to home that there was this big statue of Christopher Columbus. And I recently visited there again, and the statue was gone. And a week later, they have replaced it with a native female. So obviously things are changing. This topic is controversial. So I have to ask you the first question. What is the, why does the, do you believe that understanding the economic imperatives behind early transatlantic exploration and trade is important. This might sound like a left field question, but obviously there were motivations before Columbus. Oh, well, there's uh, no problem with left lane questions. Um, uh, firstly, just to echo um, what you've just said, it, it, it certainly wasn't a uh, discovery. There were already people there um, uh, in the Americas, uh, just as there were in the um, in Australia and Oceania. Right. Um, but um, in terms of European um rediscovery or maybe even a um an asian rediscovery um i suppose to answer the question directly would be to look backwards um I, I, as i've just said i was uh looking at the impact uh um that the norse had had uh in europe through their expansion essentially island hopping from norway to to britain then to iceland to greenland and then to a this strange place that's uh, not quite identified, but we've got a rough idea where it was called Vinland. Um, uh, the first thing that uh, you you note that when they're doing this, uh, we're really looking at the early 10th um, uh, century uh, when they begin um, to occupy Iceland. Um, and then by um, the 11th century, the 10 hundreds, um, then over to Greenland and the Americas, the, the, the first thing that became apparent was the uh, use of the unicorn um, in the heraldry of Iceland. And then in Scotland, um, in fact, if you've been to Britain, you'll note on the uh, pound coin, um, you'll see uh, not just a lion, but you'll also see a unicorn. This is the 
uh, animal of Scotland, and then you find it in Sweden. And um, uh, during my uh, studies, um, I'd heard rumor that the old throne uh, of uh, the Kingdom of Sweden was made out of unicorn tusks. And I thought, well, what's this about? Um, and we can't look at history through today's glasses we we need to try and understand what was going on firstly um at the time so if we look at the norse for example um the most expensive commodity um really that separated um um the wealthy from the um uh, the less privileged uh, was ownership of horses um i should explain that in the medieval period that one horse would take around 10 people's annual income uh, to feed that horse for a week. Um, these are very expensive creatures to uh, to maintain. However, they can move at speed. Uh, we know that they were used in, in battles. And um, other forms of cattle were used to, um, uh, to ride. It might surprise you to, to learn that uh, actually the cow um, was often used not just to um, pull carts and things, but actually to to move around quite a bit. Uh, we hadn't uh, bred them to have these huge udders, for example. But um, where we've got the um, the horse, we understand that there's an expensive commodity. And of course, then you look at ivory, uh, this unicorn ivory, these unicorn tusks. And ivory at the time, uh, we're talking the ten hundreds onwards. It's really coming from uh, Nigeria, the um, around about that area of Africa, um, from rhinoceros, elephants, that kind of thing. It's quite expensive to import. But the Norse, um, the Wikingre, the, the Vikings, meaning something akin to explorer maybe, it's a job title, um, suddenly start flooding Europe with these um, uh, unicorn tusks, these unicorn ivory. Um, and, of course, they know how to uh, to catch this this horse that can run quickly. They can uh, they have developed the skill to, to net it because it can fly away, of course, with its wings. Um, anyway, you can imagine uh, me thinking uh, two things. One was much more likely than the other. The first one, did the unicorn actually exist in North America and did it get uh, hunted to extinction or was there something else going on? And it turned out from uh, covering some samples, a a team of 23 others um, uh, called the throne of Sweden to discover it was, of course, not a unicorn. It was narwhals um, with their uh, large unicorn-like horn on their head uh and of course we we know that the vikings were keen um uh, whalers um they were just using the same skills that they had developed on the shores of norway um and northern britain etc um to capture these uh, narwhals but had dressed it up as a unicorn because they could get more money for it so with that money that meant that they could import some of the finer wares, things like uh, um, wood. Uh, they'd felled most of um, the trees in Iceland, uh, which still haven't grown back uh, even today. Um, so they needed wood for ship repair. And but let me interject they- for a second. I apologize. But why did they morph 
Why did they morph the narwhal into a flying horse with a horn? Well, you can... Um with that skill uh requires more money um so if you're skilled at something that can run away that can fly away and you know how to capture it you can command more money for it um some might say well actually that's recompense for um the great distances uh, of travel the norwald's only found uh, around uh, uh northern canada and the extreme north of the um uh, atlantic uh state um in essence uh, if you have a skill you can command more money um it's as simple as that and that's really what begins to happen we we see the unicorn sort of go from iceland to scotland to sweden norway and it begins to uh, even move over to um uh, as far away as russia another viking uh kingdom um and that's that. That's in essence is the uh, the the notion there. I'm just so, thinking right now, as a foundation to our interview, James. Would it be safe to say that a lot of our history has been changed, edited, uh, hidden from us, and we're now scratching the surface, like peeling the onion? But just when you said the unicorn, I'm thinking of the possibility that in the old days hundreds, if not thousands of years ago, when we hear about the phoenix, the dragon, the the centaurs, the, the, the hydra, cyclos, mermaids, pegasus, the, the unicorn, do you think that at one point in our past we were able to genetically manipulate animals to have these and what we call mythology could be in fact real? real? I think it's it, it's blurred. I mean, the, the first point uh, you make, yeah, we are beginning to uh, uncover a lot of history. Um, the greatest gift, uh, I think, the um, uh, humanity, um, the average Joe, if you will, has um, uh, had in the in the past fifty years. It's not just flight; it's the access to the internet, it's access to research. That uh, where history is agreed upon. I mean, the Vikings got a very bad rap because they were pagan uh, up until a point, uh, which goes against a very Christian. Europe. Um, so we're unpicking some of the truths that have been, uh, I'm not going to say lied to us, but, you know, lied to us or at least not told. And I think with 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 other animals, um, most certainly, I mean, we know that the dodo was, uh, uh, was killed uh, within uh, the past 400 years. Uh, very strange creature. Of course, there were uh, creatures, uh, very exotic ones, um, that have uh, been discovered, have been killed by humans um, um, for whatever reason. But I also think that telling a good story, I mean, I've just told you the story of the, the Norwal, it sounds really dull. If I then give it some wings and get rid of, the fact that it's in the sea and call it a horse and add a bit more mythology to it, then, yeah, economically I can sell it for a higher price, but also it tells a better story. Um, I don't know about the the genetic side of it. It's certainly possible. Um, But I think that, uh, you know, if you um, unfortunately I I couldn't attend uh, a trip to Gebekli Tepe in um, uh, November. Flights were cancelled. It just didn't work. Um, but when you look at some of the animals um, 
um, presented on the totems at Gebekli Tepe, for example, some of them don't look like... Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.